0: Best Friends Finance, because when women talk about money, it's worth a million.
1: Welcome to Best Friends Finance, where we empower women to take control of their financial future by talking about money with friends. And today we are super excited to have Shirenees Pierce, also known as Poised Finance Lifestyle on Instagram, here with us. She is also a money expert, a blogger, and a content creator.
0: So Lara, who is my Instagram guru, actually found Shirenees on Instagram um, at Poise Financial Lifestyle, and we started following her and loved the content she put out and loved her incredible um, bite sized understandable, easily digestible fin- Is that weird to talk about finances in the terms of food? But you know what I mean? Easily digestible um, uh, financial tips and tricks uh, that really made a lot of sense. And so we knew we had to talk to her. Serenice, we're so thrilled to have you on today. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you guys too for having me.
0: We love a good money story, and we know that you came into this uh, world of blogging, about finances, about all of these things that are so important for women because of your own personal experience. So could we start by you giving us your money story? Like, what did money mean to you as a child? What do you remember learning from your parents, and how did that evolve into your adulthood?
2: Yes. So my parents are immigrants from Dominican Republic, and it was a very difficult transition for them to come to America with nothing, not even knowing English, and just trying to, you know, figure out this whole American dream. So they really did leave almost everything behind to give the next generation, my, me and my sisters, the best life that they possibly could. And, you know, I saw them work super hard, and it was really empowering to see Latino immigrants really come from nothing and achieve the American dream that they wanted. They had a good home, beautiful home. My dad had a very successful business. He was a real estate agent. My mom had the opportunity to be a stay at home mom. We lived in a great community. I had an amazing quinceanera, which is like a sweet 16, but when you're 15 and it was, almost like the dream. It felt, I felt so empowered. I lived around a lot of um, mixed families that were very successful as well. And I felt like I was just on the right path to success. And one thing that I didn't realize is how much the economy actually affects our finances and our lives, our relationships, how we communicate. And 08 really did teach me that valuable lesson. I kind of, we were kind of like on cloud nine and then everything pretty much came crashing down. Slowly we lost our home. You know, the sheriffs kicked us out and we had to stay at our neighbor's house and figure out where to live. My parents lost their cars and, you know, it's hard because they'll let me borrow the car sometimes to go to work. And I would be like freaking out with anxiety, just wondering if, you know, if it got repossessed on my watch a lot of anxiety. as, like, you know, first time driver. Um, I was planning on going to college. I decided to stay at home and go to community college to save money and, you know, really support my family in this difficult moment that we were going through. Um, My parents ended up divorcing. And all of this stuff really taught me a lot about how we communicate about finances, making sure that we have emergency savings, that we're opening up, with our spouses and our family about what's actually going on, not waiting until everything comes crashing down to start, you know, being honest about our financial situation. And I felt very hopeless at that moment. You know, I saw very successful, strong, hardworking people kind of lose everything. And I started realizing that I was making a lot of life decisions based on fear. So I picked a career that I wasn't really interested in. I picked pharmacy and I wasn't really into science or anything like that, but I wanted a career that was like recession proof. That was safe. You know, I was looking for security at that point in my life when I didn't have any security, you know, any moment we were going to get kicked out of our home again. It was just a lot of anxiety. And there was one moment where I was like, you know what? I have to make a change with my finances. I cannot allow this recession, my career, my life to be dictated off fear. I need to take control. I actually ended up moving to LA in Northridge and getting a degree in finance. And it was so weird because the last semester that I had, there was a new program being introduced called financial planning, where they'll give you all of the classes necessary to sit in for the CFP. And I felt like That aha moment finally came across my, you know, my desk because I started learning a lot about generational wealth, saving for your emergency funds, getting out of debt, investing in the stock market, you know, um, wills, financial planning in general, all of these little things that we never knew you know, in my community. My parents didn't know anything about how to realistically manage their money and how to clearly communicate what their goals were, um, how to diversify clearly their finances, not just sticking to real estate only. (laughs) And once I learned that and I was in the industry, I was working at Merrill Lynch at MetLife and Ameriprise um, from LA, transitioning from LA to San Diego. And I just realized there were no women coming into the office seeking financial advice. There was no people of color. And again, we live in, I live in Southern California. There's a lot of diversity here. There's people that are from the Philippines. There's Black people, Latinos from all over, you know, South America and the Caribbean. And like, there's no one else coming here other than white men, unfortunately, and even the wives that came, they had no idea what they were invested in. And I would hear it in the elevator, the wives would be like, honey, I don't even know what we just signed off on. You know, I don't even know what's going on. And down the line, I would hear, you know, the husbands pass away eventually, and the wives would be devastated. They wouldn't even know what to do with the millions that they have. And it just really connected to me like, oh my gosh, no one really knows what to do with their money. And once I decide start my family and take a break from my career, I decide this is my one opportunity where I can talk about personal finance and not have HR, you know, coming down my back or anything like that. They're always worried about like legal stuff, you know, of that nature. So I felt really empowered and motivated to really share the little tricks and tips that my husband and I were using to better communicate as a couple about money, talking about um, our student loan debt, which, you know, he had a lot of student loan debt, didn't have that much, and figuring out how we're going to cash flow our wedding, pay off our debt, um, and realistically set goals together as a team. And from doing that, you know, we created the high fi banking method. We learned about creating an SOP for our finances where we have a game plan and we both are on the same game, um, the game, same game sheet to understand what we're going to do if 08 happens again. And we're going to have good communication. We're going to know what our money fears are and what, you know, thresholds we have within our finances. And that's pretty much where that's where the motivation really comes from when it comes to creating poise, finance, and lifestyle. And again, I'm a millennial mom. I have two kids and I'm married and I know how expensive it is, you know, to live this lifestyle here in California. But I also want to live my best life as well, (laughs) responsibly, of course, financially. And that's why I created uh, Poise, Finance, and Lifestyle. And that's pretty much why I created the name Poise, because I want to go through all the difficult things life might throw at me with poise. Because you can go through very difficult things, but if you can handle it with poise, that can just change your whole perspective, even your whole mindset. And I think that's so empowering, especially for women to hear about that and, you know, experience, you know, my story as well.
0: I absolutely love that. How old are your kids?
2: My kids are two. My son's about to be three in October 31st on Halloween, and my daughter's four. So I had them like back to back.
0: So I ask because it sounds like the Great Recession was a a majorly paradigm-shifting point in your life, and you were really young at the time, probably in high school or about to be college age. I was right where you are now then. My daughters were born in 2007 and 2009, and Laura knows this, but that was a really paradigm-shifting time for me because I did... What I thought were all the right things. I had the right education. I was an attorney. I had a good job. My husband had his own company. He was very successful. We had done everything right. And man, we got smacked down by that recession when all his clients went out of business and his business folded. So I experienced going from being the secondary income earner in my family to being the only income earner. My children didn't know what was happening because they were very young. But I wonder if during that time, did your parents talk to you about what was going on? Because I know what was happening in the real estate market and that had to be really affecting your dad's business.
2: He kind of told us, they were kind of like, they're kind of different because they they were um, immigrants from the Dominican Republic. So like their goals were a little different than what you would expect <laughs> goals to be here in the U.S., like retirement and everything like that. They were, more, they were so focused on building their empire in Dominican Republic and making sure that they went to travel over there that they didn't really tell us what was going on with the finances. Um, it wasn't until later on in the 08 recession where my dad kind of told us that You know, the sheriff's might come by and, you know, we'll have to move out. And for about a year and a half, we lived with that anxiety of like, oh, my God, any moment like that's pretty dramatic. And I think for me, what really tipped me over the edge was when my neighbor picked me up from community college. I didn't have a car at that time. And she was like, yeah, they kicked up your mom in her pajamas and she had to go upstairs and tell them that she needed to get her medication for, you know, your little sister and your little sister was like still sleeping. It was just, it was so embarrassing, you know, for the whole community to see that and for the whole community to help you move out and have to, you know, really help out. I, I'm really grateful for the strong community that we did have, but it's still, you know, it's very unfortunate. And I think my mom was just over it because, you know, during the bubble back in the day, I was a little kid as well. I didn't know what was going on, but, you know, my mom's like, I'm tired of starting over and never having a decent size, you know, plan B, a real plan B, a real plan C with no plan, no communication. You know, it becomes very difficult to even express what's going on to your kids if you don't even know what's going on as like the married couple. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they, they only told us about that. And I think that just brought a lot of anxiety when it came back to money.
1: Gosh, that's really compelling to actually hear someone who's lived through it. And obviously you've persevered. I remember, Amanda knows this, um, as a little girl having our electricity cut off a lot, um, but never having lost our home. And so I, I can somewhat relate. The same thing
2: with the car, you know, we knew that they weren't making the payments once we lost the house and we're like, Oh, now the car is next to Jesus. What's
1: what after this? And is there any other surprises we should know about? I'm curious during that time, during that year time there, did anything change in your household? Like did their spending habits change? Did they sell try to sell off real estate? I'm curious what I think that looks they like.
2: Were, what what started happening was they were using the rental income from their other homes, from what my parents tell me to kind of supplement their income during those months, allowing those other rental incomes to kind of um, properties to kind of go down the drain. um, Unfortunately, until they, you know, they get lost as well. So it was like a loss of assets one after the other, just to maintain you know, our cost of living to buy basic necessities, nothing crazy, you know, we all need Mm -hmm. to buy things for the house, personal care items for the, for a lot of women in the house. And, you know, we were always taught and to do a lot of things ourselves. Like, I learned early on how to do my own eyebrows, how to do my own hair. Um, you know, we became kind of low maintenance when it came to things like that. I learned how to paint my nails and even do designs on them. You know, those are things that girls are into at that age. And we kind of learned to not ask our parents for money during that time either. It was not the moment. I got a job and I was super excited to have my own money. My parents didn't charge me rent or anything crazy because they knew I was a saver. And that's kind of what drove me to becoming a saver, especially like, you know, at a young age.
0: So going from that experience and actually seeing your parents' marriage Fail probably. Do you feel like that was a result of of the difficult time that they went through in the recession?
2: Yeah, yeah, because they got along very well. They were together for over 25 years. Um, So their relationship was fine. You know, they would go out dancing. Very, very normal for the Dominican culture to go out dancing. Um, Like they'll have like family get togethers and everything will be fine. It was just that they didn't have good communication during that time about what the game plan was around their finances. And I think that was kind of what turned my mom off a little bit. She was like, God, there's nothing, you know, the game plan is just, well, it is what it is. It's like, that's not a game plan, (laughs) you know? And so unfortunately, you know, my husband, we were dating during that time of them actually separating and he's learned, you know, I have to be good with my money because she's not going to handle this very well, you know? So luckily he's gotten into, you know, a good saving routine with me. We paid off our debt. We've always been, five steps ahead, just to make sure that we're protecting ourselves financially. And we've done a lot of things that are definitely not by the book. You know, we've paid off our debt. We live ahead of our bills by months and months and months because we want to have that safety net because my husband does have his own, um, his own business as well. And we know that there's risks involved. And because we know that there's risks involved, he wants to make sure that I'm I feel as comfortable as possible, <laughs> especially during this um, situation that we're going through now and just making sure he's like, I know if I buy a house, I can't lose that house because you're going to be really upset. I'm like, yes, yes, I will.
0: <laughs> How have you set yourself up for success? Two things you mentioned that I jotted down were your high five banking method and your SOP for your finances, which I'm assuming you mean standard operating procedure. I'd love to hear more about these.
2: Yes. So the first thing that we've kind of noticed when it comes to our finances, we have to have a lot of purpose behind what we're doing. Just saving to save wasn't really motivating us. You know, we would just blow the money realistically going out to eat or doing fun things that couples love to do. So when we started really organizing our finances with purpose, that's when we realistically created the high five banking method. And the realistic time that the high five banking method was Officially what it is, which is separating your accounts between separate um, goals that you have, was when my son had was diagnosed with a heart defect. So my first child, you know, she was healthy, no problems. The second child during my ultrasound on my birthday, they told me that he had a heart defect, would possibly need open heart surgery either right after birth or six to 12 months, like, like the best case scenario. So our approach to our finances changed a lot at that moment. We had a lot of purpose behind saving money for our emergency fund, saving money in a separate account for his surgery, Because we knew we wanted to give him the best opportunity possible. If that meant giving him platinum healthcare, that meant giving him platinum healthcare. You know, we knew that my sister or my family members were going to take care of my daughter during that time. My husband's going to take time off work. So we had to just prepare for everything that we humanly possibly could have. And that really gave us a lot of purpose to make sure that we were ahead on our bills. We had money set aside for our lifestyle account, just so if I wanted to go buy a coffee or, you know, I don't know, get a a facial mask or something like that, I could buy it to de-stress myself, especially during that time. I was, um, you know, it's a lot of stress when your child has, is going to be having open heart surgery. So we actually had put money aside in the lifestyle account to have someone come help me clean the house because it was just too overwhelming for me at that moment. And, you know, that's what money's there for. So it's to help you when you're having a hard time. And we realized when we started banking with purpose, our budget flowed a lot easier. Our mindset wasn't focused on how much money do we have, you know, to do this or to do that. We knew exactly how much we had, you know, it was it was organized in our bank accounts the same way we budgeted our finances. And by having that SOP, that standard operating procedure, uh, we were both on the same game page, you know, the same game plan, understanding what the real scenarios would be, you know, if it was the worst case scenario, the best case scenario, and where we landed um, in the middle, if something had to give a pull, you know. And I think the most difficult thing of, I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to like emergency funds. I don't know if you see my Instagram. I go all ham on that is because the week, two weeks before my son's open heart surgery, um, my father-in-law actually passed away. And my son, husband had to go to Alabama, you know, to go be there while he was sick. And then he came back because he thought he was better. And then the day um, he got back, his dad passed away. And then he had to fly back. And then right when he came back, We had to go to L.A. to go to Children's Hospital for my son's surgery. So when you go through so many, you know, family emergencies at the exact same time, your philosophies start to change. You know, everything has to be very purposeful and you want to make sure that you are best positioned to handle these different emergencies. And that's why I preach emergency funds like crazy. And I tell people, have your emergency fund in a separate savings account and a high yield account far away from your regular accounts. Because when those times do come, you wanna feel financially confident to say, book that flight, pay the hospital bill, do whatever you have to do and feel financially confident that you don't have to worry about the money during these hard financial or emotional situations. And that's pretty much why I created the Hi-Fi Banking Method and the SLP as well.
0: So if people want the specifics on the Hi-Fi Banking Method, can we see how you set that up? That would um, it's be great. pretty much
2: a very simple um, strategy It's composed of five accounts, one checking account for your bills and one for your lifestyle. So the first two accounts is going to be um, checking accounts, bills, and lifestyle. And then the three savings accounts is one for your emergency fund, one for your long-term goals, and one for your short-term goals. And if you go to my blog, that's like the first blog right there, (laughs) right, right smack in the middle.
0: I know Laura was about to say something, but I have to just say, the emergency fund and and how important that is to you. I am completely on that train, like so hardcore that I I didn't have one. We didn't have one until I was always putting it into retirement accounts we couldn't touch, which doesn't really make sense if you have an actual emergency. So we didn't have one until January and then I've really aggressively saved all year because our normal expenses have been so minimized by the pandemic. And so we've built that up and now I'm, I'm cuckoo about it. I love it so much. Like when I look at our personal capital account, my favorite line is that one because it doesn't go up and down. I know it's there if I need it. Um, And I actually had a discussion with my husband the other day who, said, can we ease up on that a little bit? Because I keep stocking things because like you said, it's a different, it's a high yield savings account in a different bank. So I can't easily move it to my checking account. So that when suddenly he needed $600 in car repairs, I'm like, oh, sorry, I already moved that over. So I, I have to find the balance of, of, I think number four and five are what I need, the short-term and the longer-term savings that are not attached to the emergency account so we don't find ourselves cash poor because I've become such a crazy squirrel with all my money nuts.
2: I, I completely understand that as well. And I think that the long, the short-term goals account was so beneficial to us in our success to becoming debt-free because we were starting, you know, when you start learning about finance, you know, the first thing they tell you is get a credit card so you can, you know, have money for an emergency, even though you know you get charged a lot of interest most of the time when you're young, high interest um credit cards. And then, you know, we just get into the habit of hearing other people's talking about just use it to buy clothes or to buy books or whatever that you're gonna buy. And we end up in credit card debt and not even uh you know, thinking about it. It becomes like second nature. And one thing that my husband and I started doing was if there's something that we want to achieve, like if I want to buy a, a purse or if I want to go on a road trip or anything you know, necessary that I know I want to do this year, just save for it. And when you want to pay for something, you can use the credit card. That's fine. But then you can pay off the credit card in full. So that way you get the best of both worlds and you're not faking it, you know, and while you're getting charged interest, was well, that just, you know, it doesn't make sense
1: sometimes. <laughs> You are so impressive to me because, you know, even just going back to your knowing that your son was going to need this open heart surgery procedure and that you thought through all of the things that you may want, like coffee a a, a mask so that you can de-stress, you know, because you knew you were going to put yourself in this really stressful situation. Because that doesn't seem like something I would have thought all the way through, like coffees and facial masks during that, you know, during that time the day I found out was on my birthday. So it was like the worst birthday
2: in my entire life. Um, I was stressing out just that day. I, I think my husband got me like some new sandals and I was like, I don't even want the sandals. I don't want anything. I just want, you know, a healthy baby, but that wasn't my reality at that moment. So I just started really digging into the things that I could control at that moment. And that was figuring out, you know, what's the best doctors, what's the best hospitals and, Um, how much is it going to cost if we don't get the Ronald McDonald house? You know, you start doing all this research and you start seeing the benefits that you can get, like the Ronald McDonald house um, children's hospital and stuff like that. And, you start learning and calculating how much money you're actually going to need for these things. And I started like hoarding the money in our long-term goals account because, you know, I was hoping for the best case scenario. I was hoping, you know, my son would need the surgery at 12 months, not, you know, right after birth or anything like that. And just thinking about all of those, that whole situation, I knew I was going to need some type of de-stressors. And, you know, it felt good knowing that, I had the flexibility to relax if I needed to. I definitely didn't relax a lot. The only, the only um, perk I had was I took a shower like in peace. <laughs> that was the only thing and probably like my coffee in the morning. But, you know, when you're in that situation, you're so zoned in that you just want to have the option to order food to come into the to the hospital and not always eat hospital food. And just having that option just kind of makes you feel a little bit better. Also, what made made sense to me at the end of the day was seeing how lucky I was, especially when you start talking to the other parents that had kids that were going through the surgeries. There were some parents that were leaving work, I mean, leaving the surgery to go work because they needed money to pay for the surgery. There was people who lost their jobs because they couldn't, they didn't have any more vacation or time off to be there with their kids. There's people sleeping in their cars there was so many situations that you couldn't even believe it. And the nurses were like, you know what, just don't talk to any of the parents, because it would literally depress you. And you know, you just feel so much compassion, because they're going through the same thing you're going through. And you just really want to be able to help anyone that may need it. And even I, it was really crazy because I, after I finished posting that, you know, my son had that heart problem and how I saved for his surgery and everything like that, when a friend of mine actually wrote, reached out to me and she told me that her daughter was going to have the open heart surgery as well. And this brought a lot of perspective that, you know, my story helped motivate her a little bit, you know, to get through that and gave them kind of like a roadmap of how to save for these things, how to prepare financially for these things. Nothing can prepare for you, can prepare you like, you know, emotionally for that. But, you know, at least if the finances are right, think about that when you're going through those situations.
0: What incredible piece. I mean, not that you can ever feel peaceful during the most stressful time of your life, but at least, like you said, that was one piece that you weren't having to to be stressed and worried about. You could really focus on your son and getting him the best treatment. Um, so another reason for an emergency account one other thing that you said that I wanted to ask about is that you're living ahead of your debt. And you mentioned being ahead on your bills. And I saw Laura's face perk up when you said that too. Tell us how that works for for your family.
2: It works amazingly. I love it so much. How do you <laughs> so, do that? So it took a lot of sacrifice because realistically, you know, your bills are a certain amount of money every single month. And, you know, that can be very intimidating for a lot of people. So what we did is instead of focusing on just having the emergency fund in case something bad happens, we wanted to have levels in between there until we actually needed to pull the money from the emergency fund. And that's what we experienced when we went to, um, when my son had his surgery and everything like that, because that took an entire month where my husband wasn't working and he's a business owner. So, you know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. There's no unemployment or anything like that (laughs) offered during that time. So just making sure that we have more than enough money in our bills account and stacking that up one month, two months, three months, and knowing that we have a three-month emergency fund in our bills account, which is like ongoing, we're still putting money into that account. And then on top of that, also having me in our emergency fund just gave us a second layer of protection and comfortability and knowing that we are maximizing every dollar that's coming in. And it did become a lot easier to do that once we paid off all of our debt because... Again, once you pay off all of your student loans, you don't have any car payments, that does free up cash that you were throwing into, you know, depreciating assets or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's one of the things that we do. And I love it because especially during this pandemic, you know, everyone was starting to get foreloaded and hearing people losing their jobs. And you're just like, okay, at least I know I am three months ahead in my bills and I also have my emergency fund. We're almost done for the year. You know what I mean? We just make sure that we have we're best. Money we do have so that we can get through this pandemic or through whatever, through any thunderstorm, the economy or life wants to throw at you because, you know, it's kind of like a game, like it's whoever's the last standing realistically, you know, so you want to position yourself to keep being available to be a player, a main player. So I don't know, this just really works for us. And I think the ways that we were able to do that is by looking at small bills first. You know, paying off small bills, paying up small bills to make sure that those things weren't things, expenses that were holding us back, especially during this pandemic or any other time. You know, making sure we had our cell phone bill paid up for the year, um, our car insurance. That's where you got it from, from car insurance, you know, and life insurance is very common for people to know that they get a discount or um, they don't have to pay up their car insurance for every single month. They have the option of paying it up for the year. And it just relieves a lot of stress. It's one less bill to think about.
0: So simply put, you were paying ahead anything that you could pay off for the year. And then for those bills that you can't, you were paying ahead into your bill pay checking account. So you had several months stacked up. Yes. I, I mean, of course. It's brilliant. that's it's brilliant. brilliant. Mm, it's I've never brilliant. heard anyone say that, but... We try to try to, you know, make it a little bit more easy
2: for people to understand, like with the hi-fi banking method and SOP, a lot of these like kid-like or business related things kind of makes it a little easier to understand sometimes. And when you break it up like that, you're like, okay, I get that now. (laughs)
1: That makes sense. So, I know you're super passionate about what you do too, and you're a rock star at it. And I know your husband is an entrepreneur and probably loves what he does. But I'm curious, talk to us a little bit about what your feelings are towards the FI movement.
2: I think it's a great opportunity for people to actually put a number to how much money they need versus how much money they think they're gonna need. I think that's really hard because when you talk to people, even the financial planning industry, about retirement, they can't even imagine. The painting that they want for their future, you know, so I think it really puts the perspective in thinking about what do you want this art piece to look like it's your life, you know, for a lot of people like my family members their dream is to retire in Dominican Republic, they want to go back to their homeland to paradise, there's other people that you know they want to move to a smaller city or something less hectic. So it really brings a lot of perspective in thinking about how much are you actually going to need and then using that number to project out how much you need to be saving or investing um, so you can reach financial independence. The one thing that, you know, my husband and I look at is that we're not really interested in the retirement part as much. We're really interested in the financial independence because we saw how important it was to feel financially confident when we hit hard times. Now that we're going through decent times because it's not, you know, our family were not affected with COVID at the moment. So I'm really happy about that because, you know, you have to be happy and for whatever blessings you do have. Um, but with the financial retirement, the retirement part, I'm just like, I'm already doing what I love. Right. I kind of consider myself to be retired a little bit because I was a stay-at-home mom. I set the way for my career. And now I get to have the opportunity to pick what I want to do for the rest of my days. And the same thing with my husband. My husband's very talented uh, UX UI graphic designer he loves what he does and he's getting great positions and great opportunities. So he also doesn't see himself, you know, leaving that industry. He's like at the worst case scenario, he'll probably become like a college educator, or like a teacher, professor, there we go in the future, but it's still doing what he loves, you know? So I feel like that's the most important thing is to realize that we have an opportunity to do what we love. We don't have to have millions of dollars in the bank to do that. We just have to, position ourselves financially to take that risk and to jump into whatever career we actually want to do. So that's how I truly kind of feel about the fire is still up in the air. I'm still interested to see how, you know, how it lasts, how it goes for all the people who are, you know, trying to do fire at the moment.
1: Well, it really will just, what it will do for someone like you, especially at your age and, you know, having really young, children. And it's going to give you so many more options and choices as they grow. If you want to relocate or, you know, move to be with your family in the Dominican Republic, whatever that is, you've completely set yourself up to be able to, you know, do what you want to do as, as your kids get older and and more expensive. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes, You have no idea. Just wait. Have you started college funds or anything like that for your kiddos? I mean, I know they're really young, but is that something that you,
2: we have, we have, but I always base it off of California because one thing I didn't realize was how affordable college in California is compared to other states. And that was one of the, the issues that my husband and I had to resolve when we were talking about our student loan debt, you know, I'm like, why did you have so much student loan debt? Like you had a scholarship, you had two jobs. I'm not understanding, like, Why was it? Why do you have so much? And I have so little. And then he was explaining to me, you know, college costs a lot more in other states. And I didn't realize that California was so inexpensive. But I really wanted to give my kids the opportunity here, if they, if they continue living here in California, to pick a state school and for it to be more cost effective and for me to be able to offer them the ability to help them pay for tuition the same way that I did when I had the Pell Grant and, you know, other services that really helped me during that time. Um, so we have been saving for their college tuition Um it's going good. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's going great. Um, I think over time we'll be increasing that as we become more and more financially independent. Um, We also want to save for them to have cars just in case they don't want to go to school close by. Um, So it's a lot to think about because our kids are back to back. (laughs) And then, you know, that's two tuitions at the same time, almost a year apart. And then on top of that, two cards. So were are like, oh, my God. <laughs> we really have to plan ahead of time and be um, a little bit more conservative on how we're going to be investing and considering how we're going to achieve those goals.
0: So, Sirenese, I'm really um... – impressed with what you've done i mean going from the financial planning industry transitioning to to building something of your own around your children laura and i are huge fans of plan b's we think everybody needs a side hustle that could potentially be their their main thing and they could give them that that time freedom and independence what does it look like now um what you're doing and how how you're helping people and and how is that working for your family
2: it's working great. I was actually in, invited to do a mommy summit, and it was so cool because we got like a gift box that came in the mail with a little postcard with all the women that were going to be in the event. And I felt so I think that my daughter said the most cutest thing I've ever heard her say. And she's like, That's my mommy right there. And these are her friends, and these are all like, very well-known, you know, financial guru women. And you're just like, those are my friends. And that I am your mommy, you know? And it's more of that women empowerment to teach my daughter from a young age. We can be in the conversation when it comes to building wealth, talking about money and empowering and motivating other women and other people. You know, it's a lot of... um pride that I have, especially Dominicans. We have, we're so prideful. I don't even know why we're like so happy. And, you know, to be Dominican, we're so happy to, you know, see the next generation prosper. And I see her, you know, looking at me and she thinks I'm, she thinks I'm like way more famous than I really am. She's like, my mom's on TV. I'm like, it's just YouTube, Raelynn. And She's like, <laughs> she's on TV. My mom. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like that is something that's priceless to me. And her seeing her mom, you know, motivating and empowering women, getting paid to do it, um, being on podcasts. Even right now, she's like, where are you going, mommy? I'm like, I'm going to work, baby. She's like, oh, OK, I'll be quiet. I was like, OK. <laughs> so it's just it's so precious. And again, I am so excited to do something that really motivates other women and also my daughter at the exact same time.
0: Well, it's such an important conversation, and we love having it. And I'm telling you, I'm thinking that the face of finance is changing from an old white man to a young Dominican woman between you and Yanelli Espinel. Do you know Yanelli I must be course. helpful. No, of we course. talked to her a few weeks ago. She was fabulous. I mean, this these conversations are worth a million. I can imagine you working
1: at, you said you worked at Merrill Lynch and Merrill prize and somewhere else. I can't remember. But When you saw these women coming in, well, you said, A, you didn't see any women coming in, but if you did, it was after maybe a passing or something like that, and that they're just completely, you know, clueless. They had no idea where their money was and invested And I can't help but to think that that was a huge motivator for you in taking this on and stepping into this role. And just, we thank you um, for doing that and giving us such great leads and a follow um, daily to inspire us to continue to do better on our journeys.
2: Thank you so much. And I think, again, as women, we have to continue this fight that, you know, talking about finance isn't something that we're interested in and that we don't know about tech and that we don't know about money. Those are all lies. Everyone is interested in whatever they want to be interested in. We just have to find the purpose of why you need to be interested in it. And once you start bringing in that purpose for a lot of women, they're going to find interest in it. It's the same thing with the 529 plans. A lot of moms are more interested in 529 plans than dads are. And it's not that dads don't care about their kids' education, but they're really emphasizing the purpose behind the investment, why you're trying to save. And the moms, you know, we're like, that's something I can stand behind. That's what I want, you know, to be able to offer my kid the ability to go to whatever school they want to and not worry about money and feel financially secure. It's that purpose, you know, and I feel like that's with everything in finances. When you start talking about purpose, people are going to start taking action. You don't have to scare attack them into everything. <laughs>
1: That's exactly why I started my plan B was because I wanted my daughters to have the opportunity to go to college. I didn't have that opportunity and I didn't want them to have a ton of debt when they were finished. I wanted to be able to, you know, provide
0: that for them with no stress on our family.
1: I love that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, Sarah, this was just wonderful. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you too. Sirenese went from a, a career in the financial planning industry with the big names to creating com and really empowering women through her blog, through her social media presence, through her YouTube videos uh, to take control of their own financial future, which of course we are big fans of. No, she
1: was absolutely amazing. And, you know, she goes over and shares her high five banking method, which, Amanda, I had never heard of this concept before like having five different accounts and each account being very intentional for where the money was going and what
0: what it was going to be used for well and think of all the potential pitfalls that you avoid when you have this method in place like we just had when steve needed 600 for car repairs and i had already shipped it off all the cash to our savings account that i can't touch this just makes so much sense well and she says not only
1: does she have her emergency fund built into these, this high five um, banking method, but she has all the levels in between. So in case the emergency fund didn't cover, she's got this backup, she's got another backup system to cover hey. her in case of an emergency. Like it's so brilliant and it's it's your money. So it's not, it's not going anywhere, you're not spending it. It is there solely
0: to provide you um, that parachute in case anything happens. I mean I'm really tempted to attempt to live ahead of my debt like she said and and have that you know 3 months of your bills in your bill pay account because we do have a bill pay account but you better believe every month it only has exactly what it needs to have in it and I move everything else to other places. I really love this. I can tell you a funny story. So Jeff Ford
1: loves to pay his um wi- our Wi-Fi bill 2 months at a time. So kind of the is kind of the same concept but what was so interesting or so funny was, um, oh, before the pandemic was over, one night we were sitting there and the TV goes out. and, And I was like, why would the internet go out? Well, he didn't pay it. He goes, I always pay it two months at a time. And so he goes, I must have, I must have missed my two month mark. And we're, you know, we just gave him the hardest time. He immediately logged on and paid it. And the Wi-Fi came right back on. But that's a tr- that's a slippery slope if you don't really like actually stay on top of it. Um, you can't actually lose service. But it wasn't because we couldn't afford to pay the bill. It was just because he thought he had it taken care of by paying it in
0: advance. I'm so thrilled that Cyrenees talked about the importance of communication and relationships about money. We know that that is one of the top reasons for divorce in this country. And the fact that she saw her her family be affected by the Great Recession and her parents' marriage and she set herself up for such a good relationship and is doing the same for so many women.
1: I mean, and you and I both know that it it really is that partnership, that getting on the same page, that better together mentality. You know, you're not going to see eye to eye on everything in your marriage, but your finances, if your your motivation is to stay married, a long, happy, Mm -hmm. prosperous marriage, getting on the same page sooner rather than later is going to make, I think, my relationship with my husband has improved 10 times just in the last year and a half because as she points out over and over again in this in this podcast is that there's purpose behind everything that we're doing we and we're on the same page and sometimes we're not going to be on the same page but that's okay we'll have a conversation and we'll get to an even or a level playing field where we're both where it makes us both happy
0: And what else we learned from her is that it's never too early to start having these conversations because she was clearly talking to her husband before they even got married about the expectations, about finances, and her comfort level. And you and I can show people it's never too late because we were late to the the game, yet we still have had this totally life-changing epiphany within our marriages of getting on the same page. And it's really, I mean, you can teach an old dog new tricks. And you can make a marriage exponentially better even, you know, a decade or two into it. Absolutely. And, you know, then there's no animosity
1: if, you know, we go to dinner and we both agree we don't want to spend that much money on that food or those drinks or whatever. It's not his decision or my decision, and it affects either one of us negatively, but we're on, it's like being on the same page makes so much sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And It makes you like each other more. It totally does. And it's going to set you
1: up for a lifetime of being able to have more choices and do more fun things together. Those, You know, if you have cash, if you have some liquidity, you can have more experiences in life. And if that's
0: if that's your jam, it's so important to be on the same page. So if you found this conversation helpful, please share it with any woman who you think would benefit from talking about money with friends. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram or at
1: bestfriendsfinance.com. And Amanda, what do we think about star ratings?
0: My goodness, we love them. Star ratings are everything to podcasters because they help other people find us and join the conversation. So if you are so inclined, please pop on and give us a five-star rating and maybe even leave us a quick review. Your opinion matters so much to us. And if you
1: have someone that you think would be great for our podcast, shoot us an email at hi at bestfriendsfinance.com or slide into our DMs. I don't really use that language, but I learned it from my daughters. You sounded super cool. (laughs) I am super cool. No, until next time.